Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. Yoga is about wholeness, about our ability to be fully aware of who we are, to have a beautiful unity of body, mind, and spirit. And there are many ways that we have that experience uh, through our meditation, through study, through surrender, and sometimes through um, tools that we have like reading and writing. And in this latest series on the Yoga Hour, we've been talking about writing and uh, poetry in particular, and today we are supremely blessed to have author Mark Nepo with us, and we're going to be talking about Discovering Our Deepest Truth, um, and uh, from the title of his latest award-winning book, The Way Under the Way. And the question is, how do we find our way through life's challenges and discover our inner strength and our deepest resilience? What is it that allows us to touch the heart of what really matters? You know, that which gives us energy, uh, insight, and the ability to carry on. Mark Nepo is a New York Times bestselling author and poet, and he's going to share some of his healing story with us today, his insights, um, and some of his poems from his latest work. Uh, welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Mark. Oh, thank you. It's great to in our ongoing conversation. <laughs> Thank you. I want to say a little bit more about Mark. Um, so you'll know he's a spiritual teacher um, besides a, a New York Times bestselling author and poet. And that he, in 20, uh, 2016, he was named by Watkins Mind, Body, Spirit as one of the 100 most spiritually influential living people. And I'm so glad you're one of the living people that Mark is really great. <laughs> as well as... Uh, so spiritually influential, which I, I know that you are, and um, that is a beautiful honor. And uh, some of you know who are tuning in, but those of you who don't, Mark has uh, been a part of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, as well as being part of her uh, The Life You Want tour. And you can find out more about uh, Mark, his work, his books, which are many, and uh, they're all wonderful, and his uh, speaking schedule. So he's out about in the world right now, and you can and, um, meet him in various places, uh, marknepo.com. That's M-A-R-K-N-E-P-O dot com. Uh, Mark, before we engage in our conversation about poetry and how we get to the heart of what really matters, let's just take a moment to center ourselves and enjoy a moment of silence. Oh. 
begin with what we can call a yoga moment, a moment of bringing our attention and our awareness to the heart, to the heart of our being. You can use the breath as our vehicle to bring our attention within. As you breathe in, feel that just for this moment you're going to draw your attention within. And you can invite your mind to sink into your heart. Just feel that with your breath you are moving to the deepest place inside of yourself. Touching the heart of your essential nature. And with the out breath, feel that you just let go of any stress or concerns and know that as you are so deeply connected to yourself, you are deeply connected to the one that is the self of all. You can rest upon that. Be supported in this moment and in every moment. Breathing in, breathing out. Connecting. Body, mind, spirit. Riding on the breath into the heart of our essential nature, which is pure and still. As we touch that stillness within us now, let's decide to take that quality of peace with us into all of our encounters today, to keep our hearts open, to listen, to look, and to share from the deepest place the truth of our own being. I'm, I'm so delighted again to welcome you back to the Yoga Hour, and um, I want to congratulate you for the recent Nautilus Award for this wonderful book of poems, The Way Under the Way, The Place of True Meeting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to tell you that this book arrived, I was I was blessed with a, a copy that came, I think, from your publisher, and it arrived literally on my doorstep i i was i was in a meeting at work and there was a knock on the door you know the loud knock that you get from the ups guy who really <laughs> wants you to know that he's there and so i i ran down the stairs and he had gone but the book was there on the doorstep and i opened it up and the first thing that i saw was on the back of the book this powerful poem that just went right to my heart in that moment in this poem called free fall and i would like to ask you if you would read that to us um it's it's amazing (laughs) thank you free fall if you have one hour of air and many hours to go you must Breathe slowly. If you have one arm's length and many things to care for, you must give freely. If you have one chance to know God and many doubts, you must set your heart on fire. We are blessed. Each day is a chance. We have two arms. Fear wastes air. Mm. <laughs> Now, oh, thank you so much. I have read that poem for myself many times. I have read it uh, to others, and um, well, and I've read it. <clears throat> it's been a guide for me. And one thing to say as we start talking about about this is that you know, <clears throat> when 
I can drop into the depth of my being and be completely present, then, you know, poetry is really listening, and the poems are the record of that listening, that part. Mm-hmm. And so I retrieve poems more than author them. <laughs> Bring all of who I into it, and it comes through me, and it's my voice. But I retrieve them by listening for the truth of things as they are, and then they become my teachers. Mm-hmm. I be with them. So I've read, the, you know, I don't have a poem and say, oh, well, I think I'll share this. Uh, I discover as I go, uh, following the heart, what what wants to be said. And then I, I spend time with it to try to understand it. Um, <clears throat> so it's interesting that, you know, as we talk about, about poetry, and I, I have often felt, and I, I write about this, that, that poetry, more than even writing it down, is the unexpected utterance of the soul. And <clears throat> I feel, I've come to believe that every human being, and so it doesn't matter whether we write it down or not. I mean, if, it, if, it, if that's how it works for me, because I'm a poet. But we all have a poet in our heart, and um, what's more important is that we live it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, it's the same process for me, uh, Mark. It's not about, for me, it's not composing poetry at all. It's, um, being fully present to my experience. And, and then, you know, when we're sharing a poem from that place, I think, um, we, we experience this connection heart to heart and soul to soul, you know, which is the experience I've had of, of sharing your poem, Freefall. I mean, you can, you can hear the breath that people take, um, because your, your experience, your consciousness, of course, is, um, is shared in that, but it's a shared experience of, of what we know, you know, how, how to traverse, um, difficult times that require us to have, um, uh, to draw upon our deepest resources. And what I really like about your work, Mark, is that it's so tender and it's so honest. And it's fiercely, um, I don't know if I would say optimistic, but I would say resourceful. You know, it's it's fiercely, it points us to the depths of our being and the strength that is there. So uh, I really appreciate that. So it's, you know, you, you go to the deep, dark, difficult places, but you're, in my experience, you're always shining a light um, that that lifts us up. Well, th- thank you. You know, I think, I think um, kind of in the, in, in the spiritual geography, if you will, um, the light is always there in and through everything. So it's not a choice on my part to be, quote, optimistic or, has quote, pessimistic. And I think what I've discovered through time in the same way that that light will come through all the cracks in a barn <laughs> in the way that uh, that there's always, or, <clears throat> or the fact that, that you know, um, the sun doesn't stop shining because there are clouds or because some people are blind. It's always there, which doesn't minimize the clouds or the blindness we experience or the pain we suffer. And I think, you know, I've come to learn this through my cancer journey many years ago, you know, that because I was broken was no reason to see all things as broken. And so reporting honestly about life uh, requires to be true to what I'm going through and true to everything I'm not going through. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, uh, Cecil Milos, a uh, great Polish poet, um, who's now, now gone, but, you know, he came of age, he grew up in Warsaw, uh, during World War II, and he saw terrible things. And I, I consider him what I would call a mature romantic because he was one of the people that I read when I was uh, <clears throat> coming of age. And he was fearless in how he recorded the truth of what he saw, which wasn't, wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Against his will, there still was this kind of incandescent light. Yes. Through. And yes. so, so his work is also, I think, uh, 
in that regard. And I, and I think to, to deepen as we're talking about this, you know, about the poetry of the heart that helps us, it's not entertainment, it's what helps us through life. It's what brings us to resilience. And I believe that every person will be dropped into the depth of life one way or another. Mm-hmm. Love or great suffering or great surprise or confusion, um, whatever it might be. And the conversation that we begin with the universe, once we're dropped into the depth of life, is the river of poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that river of Deep experience, and there's so much to that, you know, in, in envisioning it as a river, something that is carrying us, and there's a current in our life of this that is that is powerful. It's a vehicle of of transformation, and um, I, I, I like a like a crow i have crows in my yard lately so they're really on my mind but you know i'm thinking like a crow i picked up a phrase that you sent out you you wrote a beautiful letter after the u.s uh presidential election into the kind of um numbness i think that was there right after the election you know and confusion and you know uh, and i mean i guess there was celebration too but it was all there and you you wrote this letter that i found very moving and one phrase that just like a crow i picked out you know for my nest (laughs) and that and that phrase was what we most need now is literacy of the heart and um so i've kind of run with that phrase lately thinking about what is it to have literacy of the heart well to you know to to back up a little bit on on what you were sharing and and what i just wrote what i was needing to write after the election and for me this is below politics it's not republican or democrat or left or right um what was so uh, upsetting to me is that what uh, Donald Trump represents in his character um, gives rise uh, <clears throat> to the lesser angels of our nature. And uh, so, th- you know, this was very disturbing to me. And I, I recall that you know, during the Middle Ages, um, it, was, it was in Europe, not in the rest of the world, but it's known as the Dark Ages, and it's interesting that outside of Europe, it was actually a very enlightened time. <laughs> but in, in Europe, 90% of the people were illiterate. And there were only 10% of the people, mostly monks and, and, and uh, clergy, that kept liter- literal literacy, the ability to read and write, alive. <clears throat> and so that's where, you know, I am feeling that if... If we are entering a dark time, then it is incumbent on us to keep the literacy of the heart alive. And I think that more, more important in whatever way any individual is called to participate or be involved or respond to any one issue. In addition to that, below that, I feel like we all are called to water the seeds of decency, mm-hmm. keep the literacy of the heart alive. And that starts with some of the ancient, timeless tools of the heart, which are holding and listening. Yeah, and and being in touch with the the sacredness of this life, um, the the beauty of it, in in a sense, the holiness of it of it all. Um, I want to thank you so much for your kind words about my new book of poetry um the moon reminded me that's just out um, published by homebound publications and um before we go to the break i'd like to offer uh, a poem from that one just in in into this part of the conversation um this poem is called waking a prayer rises in my chest at dawn sounds its way through my throat Into the day, joins the chorus of finches outside the open window. The time for gratitude is early, long before the train of forgetfulness arrives. 
So I think there is a, a discipline, as you were saying earlier in our conversation, of deep listening that can allow us to touch the innate decency within us. Um, it takes a discipline to source those those deeper parts of our being. And I think now uh, it's important for us to be doing that and to be um, sharing um, in the highest way and to, to uplift the, the conversation. So I'm grateful to have this conversation with you and I'm grateful for the conversations that you are bringing um, into into the world. Um, so when we get back from the break, let's talk more about this conversation we're having with poetry and what poetry can teach us. You've talked about it being a teacher, so when we get back, we'll talk about um, how that works. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Mark Nepo, spiritual teacher and author of many books. Um, he has a new collection of poetry out that we're drawing from today called The Way Under the Way, The Place of True Meeting. You can find out more about Mark at his website, marknepo.com. And we'll be right back with you. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and my guest today is Mark Nepo, the New York Times bestselling author, poet, spiritual teacher. And um, we're drawing from his latest book, The Way Under the Way, um, The Place of True Meeting. And it's a beautiful book, and I would really recommend it. It's one of those books that I, I was telling Mark that it's one of those ones that, you know, I've read through it, but it also is one of those ones that you can just open and it seems to speak to you, you know, wherever you are, um, 
in the moment. So you can find out more about Mark and his work at marknepo.com. Um, Mark, in, in the last segment, just before we close, we were talking about um, the stress of the times that we're living in now in 2017. And in particular, I mean, you know, there's, there's stress globally, that there's national stress in the U.S., you know, um, post our election and a lot of the division that's going on in our country. And um, we feel a little unsettled with all the changes in our government. And, of course, Globally, you know, we have uh, several deep concerns going on with refugees, with climate change, and so on and so forth. So, how do you, what can poetry do for us at this time? Well, again, I think, I think so. Let's talk for a minute about poetry um, <clears throat> as a way of being, and then how that way of being, just like breathing, helps us live. Poetry is a form that the heart breathes and connects us and how it helps us live and apply it to what we're going through. But so let's, for, for a moment, I mean, I think one of the ways to think about poetry is a way of feeling and perceiving that helps make life real, that removes whatever's in the way and helps us live. So that's not obviously restricted to the page or in a book. Um, and we are the ones who need to, uh, you know, just as we uh, meditate, not to become great breathers, but to keep us close to the center of life, we practice this art of perception and heart-feeling way of, of being called poetry, not to become great writers, but to stay close to life. So to, to broaden and to look where that might apply and how each of us can apply. I want to back up, and you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the time we're in, and also about the recurring cycles through history. And it's made me go back and imagine, if you will. I think that we are all uh, members of two tribes, and we can switch from one tribe to the other on any given day. And so, imagine that back in the, when the first human being came upon another. Maybe it was in the cave, the mouth of a cave, and one person saw someone in the cave. And the one in the cave looked at this other and said, you're different, go away. And I think that might have been the beginning of the go away tribe. <laughs> and but the other one at the mouth of the cave saw someone different, and their first response was, oh, you're different, come teach me. And that might have been the beginning of the Come Teach Me tribe. And I think that if we look, depending on the level of our fear on any given day, in any given era, we can be members of either tribe. And when throughout history, the horrible, even, you know, genocides, you know, when people who the fear is so great that they can't even trust when they say go away, that it's going to happen. Now we have to contain people. Or maybe we even have to hurt people or kill them to, to prove that they're going to go away. And likewise, on the other side, the moments of enlightenment and true community throughout history have been, you know, Plato said oh, wonderfully, we are born whole, W-H-O-L-E, but we need each other to be complete. And all the traditions in their own way speak about that, that God or divinity or that bareness of being is, is like a seed that is dormant in us. And it's through relationship that it manifests in the world. So one of our challenges, in, and, and it remains to be seen, are which is dominant today? Are we an era of the go-away tribe or the come-teach-me tribe? And what will it be every day where we realize, when we open our hearts, and this is where poetry comes in, because poetry helps us Marry what is with what can be. And it helps remind us that, and discover again and again that we are each other. That we are each other. And it, I, and thank you for that, Mark. It's a beautiful, um, 
insight into the camps or the tribes that we can place ourselves in. And and as I was listening to you, I, I was thinking, well, sometimes, you know, I have a foot in each camp. <laughs> so, you know, I, I sort of think of myself as somebody who is so interested in um, diversity and uh, have a welcoming heart. Um, but then I have a foot in the other camp that you know, I'm really not interested in the people who are not interested in learning from others. So, you know, there's always that <clears throat> piece that's that's left out. And I want to come back to what you said about poetry, what poetry can do in the very beginning. And one of the things you said was, if I'm if I'm quoting you correctly, was um, poetry removes whatever is in the way or the exercise of poetry removes whatever is in the way. Um, and, and I'm thinking you meant, you know, removes whatever is in the way of that deep connection, that deep experience. Um, and if I, did I get it right? And if I did, I want to know how poetry does that. Well, so let's imagine, you know, um, that, uh, you know, our windows, and, and I'll tell a little story here. <clears throat> You know, our windows get dirty and we have to clean them. And then they get dirty because they they interface with the world and then we have to clean them. So the goal right away is not to get dirty or stay clean. And while we continually clean the windows so we can see and be connected, when we translate that image inwardly, okay, every, this, the life of experience films the window of our eye, the window of our heart, the window of our mind. And love and introspection and holding and listening, which are all elements of this way of being we're calling poetry, which is more than just the manipulation of language on a page. Introspection, all of that cleans the window of our mind, of our heart. And the magical, mystical thing about that is every time we do that, we gain a little inch of more wisdom and of more authenticity of being. And so this is the process. So, so you know, another image that adds to this is, uh, we all know every surf every, anywhere in the world, the wave comes in and the undertow comes out. And in fact, the undertow eventually gathers to become the next wave. Well, things that are difficult like pain and worry and fear and anxiety and doubt all of these things are the undertow that pull us away from life, that make us lean to the go-away tribe. And then, in spite of ourselves, if we can stay, have the courage to stay open and authentic, which is, again, the work of poetry, we, we, our job is to lean back in, and we gather and through the wave and lean back in. And again, just like the window, you know, it's never done. <laughs> it's never done. Yeah, what a beautiful description. It's it's really it touches the heart of it, Mark. That really this this work that we're talking about and we're using poetry as an example is really the way of of breathing into our experience of life um, and staying fully present to it, um, being open to um, the challenges that that are there. Um, sort of mining them, knowing that if we can stay present, if we can stay fully present, that whatever gifts are there do reveal themselves. And it's kind of a mysterious process, isn't it? I mean, you can't so much be in a difficult time and of the mindset of, you know, I wonder what the gift is here. You know, (laughs) I think if you're in a really difficult time, you're not so much thinking that way. So let me let me share a story and then I'll share a poem. So the story is, which also speaks to our to what we're facing, I think, right now. And the story is one where two, it could be any kind of apprentices, but let's say two monks have studied many years and to climb a mountain and meet Buddha at the top of the mountain. It could be God, it could be Jesus, it could be Allah, Moses. It, it, it doesn't matter. But let's just say for the this version of the story, they're going to meet Buddha. And they climb halfway up the mountain on the first day, and one of the monks breaks his leg. And so they stay overnight, and in the morning, um, the healthy monk is getting ready to make his friend as comfortable as possible and continue to keep his appointment with Buddha. But it's clear 
uh, that the one who broke his leg isn't doing well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a fever, and it's not so simple. He just can't leave him there. So what does he do? And that's the crux of the story for everyone every day. So when we have more people who would leave their other to keep their appointment at the top of the mountain, we have an era of cruelty. When we have more people who discover through love that caring for their other is the summit, (laughs) we have an era of passion. And it doesn't matter what your appointment is at the top of the mountain, to see God, Buddha, to be rich, to be safe, to uh, have a home, whatever, you name it, whatever it might be, when you're when keeping that appointment takes precedence over caring for each other, we enter an era of cruelty. And every day, even right now, we are facing what is it? What is our choice? What will we we do? Um, so let me share, this is on page 18, it's called Accepting This. Called Accepting This. Yes, it is true, I confess. I have thought great thoughts and sung great songs, all of it rehearsal for the majesty of being held. The dream is awakened when thinking I love you, and life begins when saying I love you, and joy, joy moves like blood when embracing others with love. My efforts now turn from trying to outrun suffering to accepting love wherever I can find it. Stripped of causes and plans and things to strive for, I have discovered everything I could need or ask for is right here in flawed abundance. We cannot eliminate hunger, but we can feed each other. We cannot eliminate loneliness, but we can hold each other. We cannot eliminate pain, but we can live a life of compassion. Ultimately, we are small living things awakened in the stream, not gods who carve out rivers. Like human fish, we're asked to experience meaning in the life that moves through the gill of our heart. There is nothing to do and nowhere to go. Accepting this, we can do everything and go anywhere. Mm. Thank you for that, Mark. And it's such an invitation to be... You know, to stop trying to get somewhere, which is the, you know, it's such a conundrum on the spiritual path, isn't it? You know, we, we're so wired to try to achieve uh, even enlightenment <laughs> to try to get there when really it's about um, letting go and coming home to the truth uh, of our being. And uh, that that poem uh says it so, so beautifully. Um, Thank you. You know, I think that this is one of the things, you know, we have, it doesn't mean that we don't engage or be in the world or do things or have plans or go places. And so, you know, one of the teachers in that poem that has led to an image that, that helps on the spiritual path and also about understanding the poetry is at the end there that, you know, we are asked to take meaning through the gill of our heart. So here, a little fish becomes a teacher, and I've been with that after writing that poem. Uh, and 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 this is what, uh, this is so powerful. So we take this for granted, because we learn it, you know, in middle school. But fish are air-breathing creatures that live in water. That's miraculous. <laughs> what enables them to do that is they have this thing called a gill. And now what does a gill do? It is an organ that through diffusion, that is, it breaks apart uh, the hydrogen and oxygen in the water. It extracts the oxygen to breathe and discharges the rest. And that's the gill. Our heart is our gill. And we are charged with learning 
how to extract what is essential as we move through the river of experience and not clog up the heart and discharge the rest. And that, what enables us to do that is this embodied, authentic process that we're calling poetry. Mm-hmm. And I think learning how to abide, at, learning how learning how to abide at the center while all is moving and changing. Um, you know, that is such a critical part of it. I mean, sometimes people don't or avoid, you know, touching their experience, um, in particular their painful experiences, because <clears throat> they they either don't want to go down into it or they fear, you know, never surfacing again. Um, and so it does require a certain skill um, to be able to touch our deepest experiences um, without losing touch with our uh, deepest self. So I, I find that that's, in a sense, the work. Like, how do we open ourselves to the depth of experience without um, just being swept away by it? You know, how do we go to the depths and hold um, to that power, that presence that that we that we are um is that making sense mark yes yes absolutely i think that this is one of the you know it's so interesting and another paradox that um i believe the human heart is our strongest muscle that and it and it never lets us down and one of the paradoxes is that when it's working it's incredibly sensitive that's how we know it's a finely tuned instrument. So we at once can can feel that things are unbearable and things are also unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And one of the powers, uh, the life of expression, and again, whether we write it down or not, it doesn't matter. But again, to think about inhaling and exhaling, you can't inhale only. <laughs> but, you know, can't exhale only, you will turn blue. And so you can't feel and experience life and not express, because what is not expressed is depressed. And so the very, I, and it is true, we can't, you know, we can, and, and we struggle with ourselves about, we, we don't want to drown in our feelings and in our experience, and often out of fear, what we do is we go the other way and we cut everything off, which mm-hmm. is, is deadly. And so we have to learn, and through the life of expression, we not only process, and so we don't have the buildup of unprocessed feeling or experience, we process it and we exhale by expressing, and that keeps things flowing and in perspective, but also it connects us to the resources that are around us, mm-hmm. timeless resources. And this is the power of expression. This mm-hmm. is the power of which, you know, poetry with a capital P is that embodied um, way of being by which we perceive and feel, perceive and express and connect. And so this leads us to to the realm of compassion because we also, I feel, and this will lead to another poem I want to share with you, um, uh, you know, we do the same thing with, with others. So um, we either, for, pe- for people we love, we give ourselves and become the experience of people we love and we can drown in their pain or become their difficulty or we say, I can't go there, that's it, I'm done, and we cut ourselves off. And I think that what I've learned over time is that the apprenticeship of compassion is to have porous boundaries, to be open, have an open heart to those we love, and at the same time, uh, 
stay who we are. And so one of the ways that we learn compassion is through identifying with people with common experience. So, you know, I, I had my heart broken and you're, and we're friends and your heart is broken. Well, I can, I practice compassion. We have something in common or I feel that uh, someone has uh, betrayed or been distrustful and you experience that. And so we have common things. So, and that is an ongoing apprenticeship. I don't think that ever ends. Mm-hmm. But what thing is, it is the doorway to a mature compassion whereby I have to learn how to open my heart to people that we don't have anything in common. Mm-hmm. That we, you know, and, and so I want to share a poem that's in here. It's on 154 called Letting What Is Shine. Letting what is shine. Perhaps the greatest addiction is self-centeredness. Living like a piece of dark, making everything dark. Like an inch of me, making everything me. You may be thinking, well, this isn't good. I do this sometimes. We all do. But love and disappointment like rain can cleanse us if we don't hide from them. The practice when hearing another's pain is to somehow hold it like a broken star, a bleeding star, in the middle of your chest, just for a moment, without pairing it with your own. Mm-hmm. Could Would you read the last stanza again, please? Sure, sure. The practice when hearing another's pain is to somehow hold it like a broken star, a bleeding star, in the middle of your chest, just for a moment, without pairing it with your own. Mm. That is the practice. <laughs> that is the practice. And so, so, you know, the ongoing apprenticeship of compassion, where I clean the window of my heart by feeling for you because we have some common way in, is also a way of cleaning the window of my heart so I can relate to you when we have no way. So, you know, and, and I felt this um, when I met someone who was a medic uh, in Iraq. And, you know, try, and I had no way of imagining or understanding what his experience had been. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I don't open my heart to that. Mm-hmm. Get back to, oh, come teach me. Come teach yeah. me. And I think sometimes, you know, we also experience it. I know for me, um, you know, here we are coming up on our national holiday of Mother's Day, which always has me thinking about mothers and being a mother. And um, I remember so profoundly the birth of my daughter and uh, I was only uh, just barely out of 19 just 20 years old mm-hmm. and um, so I didn't have much life experience <laughs> but I, I remembered this beautiful little daughter the experience of my heart just breaking open with the fragility and the beauty of this little life, you know, that I was holding. And I had this experience that just washed over me. I felt like the connection and the presence uh, to mothers all over the world. And I had this experience that, you know, when, when this little girl cried, you know, I could feed her. But also came with that just waves of, you know, what it would be like to have a child who was hungry that you could not feed, you know, that you, you would have the same love and the same care. Um, and, you know, just the, you know, the immensity of that experience came to me with that little five pound eight ounce girl <laughs> so sometimes something just opens our heart like that that causes us to, i think to connect to the heart of the world and to and to 
and to feel it even though you haven't experienced it there's a there's some you know something in this case i i would call it love or awe that just connected me um you know to mothers everywhere and that has never left me that experience has never left me since then thank you for sharing that because that's a good example i'll give another one a good example that so so poetry can be understood as the practice of love by being thoroughly who we are we enter all of life Mm -hmm. all of life you know a very poignant A moment for me was when my father, a few years ago, passed away at 93, and during the last year of his life, you know, I found myself visiting and um, uh, in the hospital and wound up feeding him applesauce. And that moment was so bittersweet and beautiful, and I'm sure many people can identify with that. And so I got so... Uh, involved and gave my heart to the actual making sure the spoon went into his mouth and didn't hit his teeth and 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 we and he receiving it and so we were so fully in this moment that it started to open wonder mm-hmm. and I felt what I was feeling like you so thoroughly to the bottom of my personality that I fell into the well of all personality and suddenly I was in the moment of everyone who ever fed a dying parent mm-hmm. alone and and so I'm starting to understand that that moment not by skipping over who we are but by inhabiting what is ours to the bottom of our heart and personality and feeling and humanness is the doorway into feeling and joining that moment when all people have ever felt that particular experience. And that meeting is the beginning of resilience. Yes, it is. uh, Yes, that's a beautiful way to describe it. It's an opening of the heart that is compassion. And and within that is resilience. Uh, Exactly. And, you know, as I said, that, that experience never has never left me and um i think it's the kind of connection that we need in these times you know to to be able to connect deeply to the experience of our uh humanity um i opened your book this morning to a, a poem that just you know caught my breath and so um before we close i'd like to offer one of your poems if that's okay with you okay this one is called disrobing in time Uh, and it's on page 155 disrobing in time nothing is easy but to tell the truth the truth of what i see and feel this somehow cleanses my eye and it becomes clear what to do in my pain i forget to admit what is true and things get worse Because I don't want to be sad, I don't admit that I already am. Then I feel like I'm drowning. Because I don't want things to change, I don't admit they already have. Then I feel like the wheel of life is tearing me apart. The greatest power we have when feeling powerless is to admit what is already true. Then the stepping stones of eternity rise out of the mud, showing us where to go. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. I don't think there could be a better uh, conclusion to our conversation this morning than that poem that, that really names it, that says, look, just go with what is, name it, and then watch for what arises in that moment of truth. Thank you so much for returning to the Yoga Hour today. It's such it's such a pleasure and a joy, and I can't thank you enough for, for who you are and the work that you're doing uh, and the voice that you bring uh, to the world today. Well, thank you, and it's great to be with you and to be a part of your good work, and, and all the best with your, your new book that's out. 
Thank you, Mark. And so I want to remind all of you who are listening um, that you can find out more about Mark and his uh, work at marknepo.com. And uh, if you're listening in real time, Mark will be at the Sophia Institute in Charleston, uh, South Carolina next week. And this is May uh, 2017. But take a look at the website whenever you tune in because you'll, you'll then find out where he is in the time that you're, um, connecting. Uh, if you are connecting in real time, we have a beautiful, uh, opportunity here in the Bay Area in California. Um, I will be doing a reading at Book Passages in Corte Madera with, um, the, the beautiful soul and, um, best-selling author Khalid Husseini, the author of The Kite Runner and A Thousand Splendid Suns. So we're going to be having a conversation um, and reading together in Corte Madera at Book Passages on Thursday, um, May 18th at 7 p.m. Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, Meditation Center in the Tradition of Kriya Yoga. To find out more about the center, go to csecenter.com. Org. And I want to thank our Yoga Hour team of producer, Dr. Laurel uh, Trujillo, assistant producers, Nita Kenyon, Sean Smith, and Ann Hayes. And always our thanks and our deep bows to Jeff Comfort there in the sound room at Unity Online Radio. Thank you all. And thank you again, Mark. Um, and continued blessing on this award-winning book, The Way Under the Way. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. There is a story about a man who died and found himself at the gates of heaven. The gatekeeper offered to give him a tour. First he took him to hell. The man saw tables laden with a sumptuous banquet. This can't be hell, he said. Look at all this wonderful food. But as he looked closer, he noticed that all the people were weak and emaciated. They'd been given three-foot-long forks and they couldn't get the food to their mouths. Then the gatekeeper took the man to heaven. Tables there were also piled high with a variety of wonderful foods. The people had also been given three-foot-long forks, but looked happy and well-fed because they were feeding each other. The point of this story is obvious. Life is more enjoyable when we help one another. Changing your thoughts and actions can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? 
Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 